This is an ABC podcast. Hello and welcome to The World Today. I'm Sally Sara. This Friday, the finishing line of the federal election campaign is in sight. Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese's final campaign stops give us an insight into which seats are too close to call and relief for people with COVID who are now allowed to vote by phone. Initially, we thought, well, we can't even vote at all. But now it's like, okay, we can vote, but a very different way that it's panned out, I guess. We begin today looking at the map and the two leaders are crisscrossing the country in a last ditch push for undecided voters. Our political reporter, David Lipson, joins me now with more. Uh, David, good afternoon. Where are the leaders today and what does it really tell us about the state of play this late in the campaign? Well, Sally, good afternoon. They're pushing hard right to the end. And I guess what that tells us is there's not going to be any complacency creeping in, as some in Labor thought happened in 2019 when Bill Shorten really took his foot off the gas in the last day or so of the campaign, some uh, attributing the shock loss in part uh, to that. We're seeing both the leaders this time around, as you say, all over the country. Uh, Bill, uh, I should say, Anthony Albanese uh, doing four states today, starting in Sydney. Uh, He's been to South Australia. He's going to Victoria, Tasmania, and the Prime Minister in WA today. So what does that tell us about the state of play? Well, for Anthony Albanese, He looks like a man on the offence. He has delved into the seat of Sturt, which is really a Liberal stronghold, or at least has been historically, Christopher Pine's old seat. Uh, So making a tilt there, uh, and as well as trying to shore up the seat of Boothby. Scott Morrison in WA, where the coalition is on the defence. Of course, the Labor Party launched their campaign in WA, and Scott Morrison was uh, today in in the seat of Swan this morning, which is under threat from Labor. They both made their final pitches to voters, uh, not too different to what we've heard over the past uh, six weeks or so. Uh, this was the Prime Minister, first of all, Scott Morrison. Not everybody's agreed with me, Michael, and not everybody likes me. Uh, but that's not the point. The point is, who can manage the nation's finances to keep downward pressure on rising interest rates, downward pressure on costs of living? And what we saw yesterday from Labor was higher debt, higher deficit, which can only lead to more pressure on inflation and interest rates and higher taxes, which is what we know Labor always do when they can't manage money. They come after yours. And this was the opposite. This was the opposition leader, Anthony Albanese in South Australia. That's a choice facing Australians tomorrow. Three more years of the same, three more years of dysfunction and disunity or a Labor government that's united with senior ministers who are with me today, who would be senior members of a Labor government that I would lead with a united plan, a plan for the future, a plan for a better future in the interests of all Australians. That's the Labor leader, Anthony Albanese there. And David Lipson, we've also sent a rare foray into the campaign today from former Prime Minister Julia Gillard. What was her message? Yeah, she tries to keep out of politics uh, by and large. Uh, she didn't attend the Labor launch. She was overseas at the time. But here she has uh, campaigned alongside Anthony Albanese. They uh, didn't always see eye to eye when they were working together in the Gillard and, uh, and Rudd governments. But here today she has given him a full-throated endorsement and 
really homing in on the issue of women, which of course uh, she uh, has um, been a bit of a flag bearer for those women's issues uh, after her time in Parliament. And uh, she's saying that uh, Anthony Albanese is very much the right person for leading the nation and promoting women's issues. This has been, you know, a, a bit of lead, if you like, in Scott Morrison's saddlebag. We've seen polls that have shown that women are, are not uh, favourable to him in large numbers. This was uh, the former Prime Minister, Julia Gillard. Got a particular message for Australian women, having served as the only woman to hold the job as Prime Minister. You would know in the years since that I've made my focus women's leadership. It's amongst one of the biggest things that I do. And what I want to see for this country is a government that cares about, values and includes women. And I know that a government led by Albo will do precisely that. That's her former Prime Minister, Julia Gillard, and before her, our political reporter, David Lipson. Well, let's take a look at a few seats to watch around the country. Rachel Mealy starts off in the electorate of Ryan in Inner Brisbane. The seat of Ryan often gets described as leafy. It takes in a swathe of suburbs running west from Brisbane's CBD along the Brisbane River. In St Lucia, opinions are mixed. I like Liberal, but I don't like ScoMo. So how are you so I'd vote? be happy. I'd be happy if they turfed him out. You're in Ryan. Yes. So Julian so, Simmons. Yeah. So, but but a vote for him is a vote for Scott Morrison. I know. That's what. That's where that's um, how it works. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. So I'm like, if I just vote because I like Liberals' policies and what they've, I don't know, like they've got us through these times. You know, we we've been looked after enough. I find anyway. So I don't want to change anything too much. So. Current MP Julian Simmons holds the seat on a margin of 6%, but Labor likes its chances here because it thinks the disaffection for Scott Morrison is widespread and there isn't a teal independent running in the seat to capture that vote. They'll have to beat the Greens to take the seat, though. Ryan overlaps the state seat of Maywa, which is held by the Greens. Have you voted? I have voted, yes. So it's all over for you. What, what influenced your decision? Uh, this is the Greens neighbourhood, so that was that was basically it. It's um, I think we we feel that the environment's the most important topic. I'm definitely leaning more towards Labor and Greens. Um, yeah, I just think that they have more their values align better with my values. So at Indrapilly Station, this woman was on her way to vote at the pre-polling booth. I absolutely hate. ScoMo with a with a vengeance. I hate him, and he's done nothing about the old people in the homes living on nothing. The amount of money the government is pouring into that and getting no return. It, it, it everything is a disgrace. And while many have already voted, some are yet to decide. I'm still making up my mind to tell you the truth. Um, I think, I mean, so far we are closer to Liberal. Because just because they have handled COVID so well, I think Australia came out on top in many regards there. Others are playing their cards close to their chest but agree it'll be an interesting battle. It's a mixed bag. I think the um, increase in the housing density has brought in a, a different population to the area from what it might have been going back a few years. Um, so it's probably headed a bit to the greenish end of the spectrum, but whether... That'll be shown in the results of the poll, I don't know. So it's, it's one to watch? 
It is, I think so. Very close. <laughs> All right, thanks very much. That's our reporter, Rachel Mealy, speaking to voters in the seat of Ryan. Well, one of the big features of the campaign has been the rise of independent candidates. In Melbourne, the seats to watch are Kuyong in the city's inner east, where the treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, is being challenged by Dr Monique Ryan, and Goldstein in the city's southeast, where Liberal frontbencher Tim Wilson is up against former ABC foreign correspondent Zoe Daniel. In the Bayside suburb of Hampton, our reporter Sam Donovan asked Goldstein voters about the issues that will determine their vote. Climate change, federal ICAC, refugees, accountability, responsibility, working for the community rather than for the party. I'm guessing you're voting independent. I am, absolutely. I've been all over the electorate. (laughs) There's definitely a mood. People want change. They're fed up. They're sick of not being listened to. And now's the big chance where we can actually take a step forward and get some honest, ethical people in Parliament who'll represent us and provide some real positive action going forward. I think, to me, it's security of the country, the way the dollar's going. I think the economics under either will be suffer because of the amount of money that's been thrown down during JobSeeker and that. I'm not worried about climate change. To me, nobody's going to alter that. It's the things that affect everybody, the cost of electricity, the cost of gas. The Prime Minister would say if you're concerned about national security, you should stick with the coalition. So far, they have proven they are prepared to stand up to China, who wants to take over the world, to my way of thinking. And now you've got the Solomon Islands. Uh, it's a concern. Uh, I am a climate change advocate. I think we do need to do something to address it. Healthcare, aged care. I work in the healthcare industry, so huge issues with the aged care system and the health industry now after COVID. On aged care, do the policies of either of the main parties appeal to you? They both have pros and cons. I think they both need to... It'd be nice to hear a bit more detailed from Labor. Uh, Well, I definitely wanted to get rid of Scott Morrison and the Liberals. They've been there way too long and they're, in my opinion, quite corrupt and uh, incompetent. The Labor party would never get in in this electorate so uh, Zoe who's a very um, wonderful candidate is um, my, my, my go. Have you voted in Goldstein for a, a while? Yes, about 40 years. <laughs> so how does it feel this time around? It's usually such a strong well, blue ribbon liberal um, seat. Do you feel a bit wonderful. different this time? Yeah, it's wonderful. It actually might mean something. <laughs> I don't think people realise what the uh, independents, who they are actually with. Who's funding them, you yeah, mean? Who's funding them, yes, which I think everybody needs to know. I think you can find out, but a lot of people don't know that. They think they're just independents. I'm a big fan of Tim Wilson, and I think he's been fantastic for the area, and um, he's certainly got my vote. And I'd be voting for him because of the experience and the backup that he's got. I think he's got a fight on his hands, though. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel that the Prime Minister's unpopular in the electorate and that'll influence Mr Wilson's chances? I do. But hopefully people will look at the last um, exceptional couple of years that we've had and wonder um, how another leader would have handled it. And the economy. I think um, Josh Frydenberg has done a wonderful job. Great fan of Josh's as well. Are you concerned that he may lose his seat? He's also... Very concerned, very concerned. I was actually over in Kuyong yesterday and um, the number of placards everywhere. I mean, there's so much marketing um, has gone into the independents. It's mind-boggling. 
That's voters in the Melbourne seat of Goldstein speaking to our reporter Samantha Donovan. Well, another crucial seat to watch is Wentworth in Sydney's inner east. Liberal moderate Dave Sharma is fighting to retain the seat, but independent candidate Allegra Spender is a looming threat. Matt Bamford headed out to speak with voters. It's a cold and wet day on the former red light strip of King's Cross and despite the weather, locals like Igor are venturing out to cast early ballots. I guess one of the things I was important was some of the election issues that uh, are rising in the federal area that I didn't think the government was doing a great job on. So I voted for uh, Independent, Allegra Spender, and uh, I also voted for the Greens as well. Like many in the urban Liberal seats, issues like climate change and integrity resonate with Igor. Especially the... uh, Federal Corruption Commission, which I think is very important. I don't think their heart's in it. So uh, that's why I voted for parties that I think are more interested in um, getting one set up pretty quickly. It's the first time he's voting away from the major parties, and he has high hopes. I expect to hold the other parties to account, Labor and Liberals, so I really hope she does what she's promised to do during the course of her campaign. I think those are the two very important issues for me, climate change and the Corruption Commission. The momentum behind independent candidates in former safe blue seats has taken many by surprise. Soaking up the vibe at a King's Cross pre-polling station, former New South Wales State Liberal member Michael Yabsley is one of them. I think it'll be very close. Um, Look, you can see from the presence here at the the King's Cross pre-poll, you know, there's a a big effort going on all around, but there's a very strong visible presence um, as far as the independent is concerned, which just staggers me. It staggers you, does it? Well, it staggers me that it is it, that it is so one-sided, but that's um, that should provide some food for thought for the Liberal Party. Not everyone is jumping ship. Maris says she remains a big supporter of Prime Minister Scott Morrison. And what made you uh, make up your mind? The stability that we've had, we've had a lot, a lot of challenges more than anything in the whole that I can remember, and Scott Morrison has taken us through that safely. She's not convinced a vote for the independents will make a better government. To me, they're destabilising a government. And another opinion on Scott Morrison, people might say, oh, I don't like Scott Morrison, but he is a good man. He's got us through. He has had no scandal. He's not sleeping with everyone and he's not. he doesn't square. He just is kind. And while many feel bombarded by parties over this six-week campaign, people like Felicity Cahill remain untouched by politics. I just don't really want to vote for the major parties, I guess, and I like, I I don't know. What about the independents? Is that of interest to you at all? No. Have you heard much about what they've been talking about? No. But I don't listen, so I just avoid all the news and I just... I mean, I'm not a huge fan of ScoMo, but I really like Josh Frydenberg. I'm not a Liberal person or a Labor person. Um, I don't mind Anthony Albanese. Wouldn't mind if he got in. I don't really mind, to be honest. I don't mind. That's Wentworth voter Felicity Cahill there speaking to Matt Bamford. You're listening to The World Today. So which way is the federal election expected to go? Andrew Proben is the ABC's political editor. Well, I think, uh, as we've all witnessed, it's been a rather uninspiring campaign for a few reasons. First of all, we've got an opposition that's decided it won't go for an ambitious policy agenda. It's been uh, twice burnt on that front under Bill Shorten this time around. A much smaller uh, target uh, it chose. So Anthony Albanese has had a few, a few interesting 
policy ideas, but nowhere near as many as Bill Shorten did. On the government's front, we also have a, a government that's trying to run partly on its record and very few ideas for the future. So the policy disputes we've had have been few and far between. And Really, the biggest we had was in the last week, and it was over the coalition's idea to allow people to dip into their super for their housing. What surprised you during this campaign? I think what surprised me was that Anthony Albanese was a bit underprepared for the campaign, that he lacked a a bit of match fitness, but compensated for that by being the more authentic man, I think. Now, we we know that authenticity is always a, a big test of of leaders and Anthony Albanese's had his stumbles, but authenticity is something that the Prime Minister has he's decided to change tactic completely in the last few days, acknowledging that he's been somewhat of a bulldozer, but promising that if people stick with him, he will change. A really, really interesting and significant element of the campaign in the last few days. How much of an important role do you think the independents will play? Are you expecting a hung parliament? Well, it's very difficult. Everyone's obviously a bit shy, gun shy about predicting anything given the way that the polls got got things so wrong in 2019. But it, it appears that if the coalition to, were to squeak over the line, it would be in the circumstance of a minority government. The ones to watch, I think, uh, tomorrow night are, are clearly going to be uh, Goldstein down in Melbourne and uh, Kuyong in Melbourne too. Wentworth is is a, a bit of a worry for the Liberals as well. The Labor Party is hoping to uh, pick up uh, in both WA Queensland, but the one that is really going to throw up a whole lot of uh, funny results or things perhaps that we haven't um, anticipated is going to be New South Wales. For lots of reasons, the shambolic nature of the New South Wales Liberal Division one. When you're talking to uh, people from both of the major parties, behind the scenes, what What is most worrying uh, the coalition and also Labor? For the Liberal Party, it's clearly been Scott Morrison's character. That's been under real pressure for not just during this campaign, but for months. The vaccine rollout, the, the rollout of the rapid antigen test, his commentary during the bushfires, these all have lingered. And that's been the main concern for the Liberals, to try and work out a way of public rehabilitation of the Prime Minister's image. Now, he's clearly a, a politician who's almost happier campaigning than he is governing. We've seen that. Uh, With Anthony Albanese, I think the the concerns emerged pretty early on that uh, he wasn't the strongest of campaigners. So it's it's really, these are elements of the, the personality, the presidential style of this campaign that have emerged. I think one of Labor's strongest weeks was actually when Anthony Albanese was in COVID isolation, when it allowed the Labor Party to show that he had a pretty strong team behind him. That was a, a real positive uh, for the Labor Party. For the coalition, uh, unlike the 2019 election, they've shown very much that Uh, It's not just Scott Morrison, but there are other people around him. That's uh, by necessity, obviously, because of the way that there's been so much focus on Scott Morrison, the leader, uh, Scott Morrison, the man, the man who is uh, rather unpopular, according to most polls. That's the ABC's political editor, Andrew Probin there. The Australian Electoral Commission says it faces challenges to ensure that everyone will be able to vote tomorrow. 
It's made a dramatic 11th hour change to its rule for those in COVID isolation, now allowing everyone who tested COVID positive in the past week to vote by phone. There are some concerns across the board. There's concerns that phone voting will be slow. There may not be enough staff at rural polling places and elderly Australians could miss the opportunity to vote at all. Catherine Gregory reports. 29-year-old Jacqueline Hooper went into COVID isolation on Monday night with her partner and a newborn. It's been pretty scary, but also frustrating. That's why I was really upset and shocked to think this can't be right. (laughs) Like, I thought it was a mistake. Uh, Yeah, I was gobsmacked. Jacqueline Hooper was one of about 200,000 Australians who faced the possibility of missing out on voting in Saturday's election because they'd been unlucky enough to test positive to COVID between last Saturday and Tuesday. That's because they missed the deadline to register for a postal vote and only those who tested positive after Tuesday could vote over the phone, according to the Australian Electoral Commission's rules. That's why I thought, this is ridiculous, we have to do something about this. Well, the rules have changed. Um, The AEC announced it this morning. Uh, They said they now realise they've got enough resources to do the phone voting for everybody that's tested positive in the past week. Is that a relief? Absolutely. So I was ecstatic. It's great to see that, you know, uh, our voice has been heard. But, you know, why wasn't this done in the first place? At the 11th hour, the AEC requested the government make changes to allow everyone who's tested positive to COVID since last Friday night to vote over the phone. But it's warned the extra numbers could make it a pretty slow process for voters. The AEC Commissioner, Tom Rogers. If you imagine telephone voting is, is literally a matter of um, somebody reading out the ballot paper to you. And a large number of candidates, it takes time. Um, and so, as we've said all the way along, there's going to be queue times and waits. We think we've developed a really good system, but nothing like that is without risk. Risk of a huge queue. This won't bother Jacqueline, though. I nearly wasn't able to vote. So the fact that I can vote now, I don't care if it's going to take me all day. You know, that's my democratic right to vote. The fact that, you know, there's been a change to allow that to happen. Commissioner Rogers also warns that COVID has undermined staffing at the AEC, possibly limiting voting booths in regional or rural areas. Kieran Pender is with the Human Rights Law Centre and he's concerned about how the COVID challenges have been managed. This was a real issue uh, and it was really concerning the way the AEC approached this yesterday, saying that people might not be able to vote. That's really not good enough. The broader point is that all, all Australians have a fundamental right to vote and it's up to the AEC and the government to do all they can and to properly resource that. Uh, Yes, these are difficult times. Yes, the AEC is doing a good job, um, but more needs to be done. There are also worries that COVID will undermine the ability of people in aged care facilities or those receiving at-home aged care packages to vote. Naya Holton and her elderly husband are mainly housebound on the Gold Coast. While she's managed to organise a postal vote for them, she reckons not every one of the million Australians in this position would be able to. It wasn't easy it wasn't glaring at you you had to kind of search to find how to do it and then i filled in the form and sent it off to the electoral commission which i think would be difficult for a lot of people to do who are housebound like mostly like we are well we know that a lot of people receiving aged care packages aren't computer savvy and they have to rely on other people to help them the aec has had to limit the amount of mobile vans it's sending to residential aged care homes this year because of covid and it's been up to many facilities to organize postal or pre-poll voting for their residents 
For example, Uniting, which runs 72 residential homes in New South Wales and the ACT, says the AEC hasn't provided any mobile vans to its facilities this year. But some facilities have also been dealing with COVID outbreaks, staff shortages and lockdowns, which limits their ability to organise postal or pre-poll voting. Like for this woman's father, who's been in lockdown in his Queensland facility for the past week. So he's stuck in a situation where he's not COVID positive, um, so he can't access telephone voting, but he's locked down in his aged care facility and he cannot vote when so much has happened to people in aged care over the last two years. Um, they're just being, like, excluded from being able to participate in society. But Paul Sadler, the CEO of Aged Care and Community Services, says so far things have mostly been smooth for aged care facilities and none of his members have mentioned any difficulties in helping residents vote. That's Catherine Gregory reporting. And Sabra Lane and Raf Epstein will be hosting the election night coverage for ABC Radio listeners tomorrow night. Make sure you tune in. That's all from the World Today team for this week. The program's producer is Mike Edwards. Associate producer is Barney Porter. And technical production from Anna John and David Sargent. We'll be back again same time tomorrow, uh, same time on Monday. I'm Sally Sarah. Take care. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.